please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I read through the Bible, and there is such a mix of stuff in there. Long sections of rules, detailed instructions for religious rituals, expressions of judgment and anger, long sections of genealogy. In the old-fashioned language, those were the begats. That's sentence after sentence of which father begat which son. All kinds of stuff in the Bible. And lots of it is objectionable. Quite a bit of it is boring. And then, and then, there are those sections that have so much heart in them. Those passages where the love and the vibrant sense of God's presence fairly leap off the page. For me, today's reading is one of those passages. We are once again exploring the theme of covenant, which has been our theme in this season of Lent. But the expression of covenant that comes from the prophet Jeremiah in today's reading stands out among the covenants of the Hebrew scriptures. It stands out because it is so heartfelt, so much deeper and more intimate than what we are accustomed to seeing in these covenants. And while the previous weeks of this season, we have alluded to the covenant that is at the center of it all, the covenant where God says, I will be your God and you will be my people, the covenant that is spelled out on the banners we use for the season, in today's scripture, that covenant is not just alluded to, but is stated explicitly. I will be your God, and you will be my people. There are many beautiful passages all through the writings from the prophet Jeremiah. The passage we heard this morning is from a section in Jeremiah that is sometimes called the Book of Comfort. This so-called Book of Comfort is two chapters in Jeremiah that speak words of comfort to a people in exile, a people experiencing despair. A verse earlier in this book of comfort sets the stage for this morning's passage. It expresses the voice of God speaking to humanity. And God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Every covenant rests on the basic principle that God is faithful. God is steadfast. But sometimes a human crisis can call that belief into question, can shake a person's trust in the faithfulness of God. The book of Jeremiah is written in the context of human crisis, specifically the disaster of the Babylonian exile. The people's homeland had been conquered, and many of the people were deported to a foreign land, into Babylon. This deportation was a common strategy on the part of this military power, a strategy designed to fracture the cohesive identity of the conquered nation. 
the people of Israel and Judah might well ask, what happened to God's promises? What happened to our covenant with God? Is God really faithful? Jeremiah's words, representing God's own words, are responding to these implied questions. Yes, this is a time of crisis. Yes, the people are suffering, are filled with anxiety. It is a time for a renewal of God's covenant with God's people. And Jeremiah paints a picture of what that covenant renewal looks like. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors, a covenant they broke. But this is the covenant I will make. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. In the Hebrew scriptures, the language of law and covenant are often used interchangeably. And this is appropriate, meaningful language for that historical and cultural context. I don't think the language of law, even God's law, is as meaningful to us today. But to frame it in language that works for me today, I understand God's law, God's covenant, to essentially mean God's will for us, God's vision and hopes for our lives and our world. I will write my covenant on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. In a time of crisis, a time that calls into question whether God's people can count on God, God speaks words of reassurance. God doesn't say everything will turn out all right. God says, I am with you, as close as your heart. I am your God, and you are my people. In the stories we have heard this season of earlier covenants, we looked again at the Ten Commandments, which were said to be written on stone tablets. What a contrast between a covenant written on stone and a covenant written on our hearts. Surely, this makes clear that the relationship between God and humankind is an intimate relationship, a relationship characterized by love. As Jeremiah puts it, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. To me, the central covenant between God and humanity, this promise that God will be our God and that we will be God's people, may well be paraphrased in the words we sang repeatedly in our opening hymn. God says, I love you and you are mine. Sometimes a covenant is defined as a contract, even a sacred contract. But the expression of covenant we find in Jeremiah makes it clear that the covenant between God and humankind is really a relationship, not so much a contract. Through Jeremiah, God says, no longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. 
Notice that this does not say, they shall know about me. This knowing is not about information. It is not, in fact, about theology. It is not about a cognitive or intellectual understanding of God. It is about a relationship. We are invited to know God, no matter what we do or do not know about God. Jeremiah refers back to former covenants, covenants made with the ancestors of the people Jeremiah is speaking to. We remember the Ten Commandments and think about covenants written on stone tablets in contrast to a covenant written by our, on our hearts. A covenant written on stone tablets is a visible covenant, a covenant that people can look at, refer back to, can see. How can a covenant written on our hearts be visible? How can we see whether this deep and cherished relationship with God makes any difference? There are no stone tablets for us to look at. There is no tangible, physical representation of this heartfelt covenant. What is there? Our lives. A covenant based on love and written on our hearts is only visible if our lives reflect God's love. A covenant based on love and written on our hearts is only visible if we express God's love in word and deed in our hurting world. Jeremiah seems to contrast a heartfelt covenant with a covenant written on stone. To my knowledge, Jeremiah never talked about stony hearts, but another prophet did. The prophet Ezekiel may have been a contemporary of Jeremiah, and he was definitely responding to the same events Jeremiah responds to. Ezekiel, Ezekiel also was writing in the context of the Babylonian exile, was writing to a people in crisis because they had been conquered and dispersed by a foreign power. Like so many of the Old Testament prophets, Ezekiel writes about God's covenant with God's people. Ezekiel doesn't address the contrast between a covenant written on stone and a covenant written on hearts, but he does shine a spotlight on the potential for humans to become stony-hearted. But God calls us to hearts of flesh. Ezekiel writes these words as if spoken by God. I will give the people one heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh so they may follow my statutes and keep my ordinances and obey them. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. Jeremiah and Ezekiel are writing to a people in crisis a people who might well question what is going on with God's promises. What is going on with this God who calls them into covenant? And in the face of crisis, in the face of suffering and hardship, one human response is to become hard-hearted. But that is not the response God invites. In offering reassurance, in initiating a renewal of the covenant, God says, 
I will write my covenant on your hearts. I will plant my law right down deep within you. Bob Pierce was the founder of World Vision, and he is famously quoted as saying, Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. As a young Christian missionary, he was exposed to suffering that he had never seen in his own experience, particularly the suffering of children living in poverty. It was heartbreaking. And his response was this statement, this prayer, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. The God who writes God's hopes for us on our very hearts the God who implores us to keep our hearts soft and open and fleshy. This God calls us to open ourselves to a world that will break our hearts. What breaks God's heart? The Bible answers this question in a myriad of ways. When the poor are neglected, it breaks God's heart. When widows and orphans are not provided for, it breaks God's heart. When people are in bondage or in slavery, it breaks God's heart. Oppression and injustice break God's heart. And on and on. Don't these things break our hearts too? Of course they do. And this invisible covenant that God calls us to, this covenant written deep within our hearts, becomes visible as we allow our hearts to be broken and then allow our hands to be used for God's work. There are no stone tablets for us to look at. There is no tangible, physical representation of the heartfelt covenant. What there is, is our lives. A covenant based on love and written in our hearts is only visible if our lives reflect God's love. A covenant based on love and written in our hearts is only visible if we express God's love in word and deed in this hurting world. So let us make this covenant that is in our hearts visible to the world. Amen.